So I think that I was like, I almost made the news this week, which was not a way that you would want to necessarily make the news because I think that if it had happened, the headline would have read, local pastor gets beaten up by woman at Chick-fil-A parking lot. (laughs) I mean, it was one of those moments that, you know, I just think it's bad design to put hungry people in drive-through drive throughs where two lanes have to merge. And as I say that, I know some of you guys are as guilty as me in this, that it's like there's that moment where the cars have to figure out how to go together, where there's just panic and anger and hunger that mixes in, and you have these moments where the windows get rolled down. All right? So this is what happens. And if you're not from Cape Coral, just so you know, when you pull into our Chick-fil-A, it is always crazy. And they have devised this weird scheme that makes little sense, but it's like the left lane is the drive through the right lane is the mobile order, and then you both have to wait and then kind of merge past each other to get where you're going. And so I was in the mobile order line, and there was someone in the drive through line, and when we reached that point, I was just going to proceed towards my mobile order spot, and they start honking at me. And like, I can see some angry words that I recognize but don't say from the stage in church. Like, I see those happening, and I'm like, I have that moment where, where you just have to decide. Like, in my moment, I'm like, okay, is there a Gulfside Church sticker on the back of this vehicle or not? <laughs> because that's always part of the process, which is why some of you need Gulfside Church stickers on the back of your car. It will hold you accountable, all right? And so, so I'm processing And I can see that this person is saying some words to me, so I roll my window down, and they roll their window down because they're ready to talk. And I try as best as my human nature will let me to just be peaceful and be like, are you going in the drive-thru or are you going to the mobile order? And they're like, I'm going to the mobile order, and that's my spot. And they say a few more words, and I'm like, I got them now because they're in the drive-thru line. (laughs) I'm in the mobile order line. They're in the drive-thru line. They are wrong. I get to be the person who's right now. And, and I'm telling you, it's like, I don't know if you've ever tried to shift tones mid-sentence where like the sentence just gets weird, where it's like, well, you, and like the Jesus kicks in and it's like, you just better chill, Paul. Well, you, you're in, you're in the, the drive-thru line, but just go ahead, take the spot. And they recognize then that they were wrong and they cuss at me a few times more, and I'm like, okay, I'm a pastor, you can cuss at me, but there's Chick-fil-A workers around here. They're not used to that language. You have to be kind to them, all right? They just, everything is their pleasure. They're so happy to serve you. Like, don't do that around them. They take the spot, and as I go, I, I mean, just, I've been prepping for this message and studying about the resurrection of Christ, and, and it's just on my mind of, like, how much power is there in the resurrection, like, like power to change eternities, power to change conversations, problem, power to change conflicts. Like how much power is at work there? And Easter Sunday, it's all about the resurrection, but to understand the power that's at work in there, I believe we have to have a good grip on what it meant that Jesus died on the cross. I think we need to have a good understanding of how the disciples felt on Easter morning because as it leads to this point where they understand that Jesus conquered death, that he conquered the grave, that he gave us new life because he was that sacrifice that could pay for all sins. For us to understand that, we've got to dial back to that day. And as we go back to to the passage that was alluded to in the video, I want to start with the Gospel of John chapter 20 today in verses 1 through 2. And we'll put this on the screen as I read it. It says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, 
She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Now, leave that up there for a minute, because there's a couple things that I want you to see. First of all, there, there is something meaningful in the fact that it was the women who were the first to be at the empty tomb. This was culturally, it, it was just different because men were supposed to be the leaders. Men were supposed to be the ones who were doing the important things. And they were the first ones to experience the resurrected Christ. And that is meaningful. But the reason that the disciples weren't there because they currently thought it was all over. And I don't know if you've had those moments where it's like something difficult happens in life. You go through a loss, a loss of a job, a loss of a loved one, a loss of a home. Something happens and you experience loss and you just feel like it's all over. This is where the disciples were at. Those who had been following Jesus when he was taken and he was beaten and he was put to death on the cross and he was raised and he was placed into that grave before he was raised. Those three days, they were just sure that it was over. And so the men weren't active, they were actually in hiding. And so when this news came out, her statement is even, we don't know where they've put him. At the very beginning on Easter, when the tomb was empty, they didn't just jump to, Jesus said that he'd conquered death. They didn't just jump to the fact that Jesus said he had to be put to death. They still were confused. They weren't sure what happened to Jesus' body. They weren't sure what it meant for them. But as they went, it began to raise up questions. And as they understood that Jesus had died, and when they began to have the interactions with Christ, when Jesus appeared to Mary and comforted her and sent her back and said, let the others know. And it began to well up in them. And I want to tell you, That moment, that time period, those three days where he was in the grave, they felt despair. They felt loss, and they had all kinds of questions that were running through their head and heart. And this Easter, I know that, man, the last two years have been crazy in our world. But even before that, I know that there's been trying times in so many of your lives and so many of your stories. And as you arrive here today, you might say, my current situation feels like the situation of the disciples on that first Easter morning where everything feels difficult, everything feels hopeless, everything feels like conflict, everything feels like confusion. And I want to tell you, if you find your place yourself in a place that feels like that today. God is able to reach in and speak into your situation, but getting to the point of life and fullness and an abundant life, it often does start with that place where everything feels dark and it feels like death. And in fact, the following to know, to the calling to know Jesus and follow him, the calling to experience the abundant life that he has to offer you, it's actually a calling to move through death to life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, it actually describes those who follow Jesus, and we'll put this up on the screen as I read it, and it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. To follow Christ is not to just make one prayer at one point in your life, but it is to make a calculated decision. Jesus counted 
Jesus described counting the cost many times to be his disciple, to recognize there are things that would have to change in the life of a believer. And to follow Christ is to join him, not just in resurrection, but to join him in his death. And the way the Galatians say it is that our passions and our desires get nailed to the cross. And as I say that, you might say, well, that sounds like getting rid of all the fun stuff, Paul. Like Easter, like we're just supposed to celebrate. We're not supposed to talk about the call to discipleship. I'm going to tell you, they're one and the same call. And it's not a call to get rid of the the things that are fun in life. It's to get rid of the things that are destructive. Because Jesus looks into your life and and he calls out and says, these areas that lead to death need to be put to death in your life. And his his death on a cross was there to deal with those issues. The death, the the. The calling that we have to be obedient in putting these things to death on Jesus' cross, the death of fear in our life. The fears that we have about our future, the fears that we have about relationships in our life, that, that fear needs to be put to death in our life and replaced with faith in the Son of God that we know he's going to provide for those areas where we don't know what's going to happen yet that he is going to be with us, that he is going to be for us through any of those situations. Fear needs to be put to death in our life. The the gratification of sinful desires in our life, those need to be put to death in our life because those are the things that will actually lead to destruction within marriages, within relationships, within the family, relationships between your children. The, the things that we, that we are, Scripture calls chained to, are things that Jesus went to the cross for. And in the calling to bring those before him, the calling to join with Christ in death is part of the calling to join with him in resurrection because those, those desires, so let's dial back to Chick-fil-A. If the Gulfside Church sticker wasn't there, if the title of Reverend Paul Anthony Erminger III wasn't there, you guys know how much fun that conversation could have been, right? And, and we enjoy winning the argument until the argument leads to a fight. And even some of us are like, well, I'd enjoy winning the fight, Paul. But we see in the news every day that things that should have just been a very simple fist fight often turn into a gunfight. And we've seen the way that things escalate. You know, it was just a couple jokes with that person of the opposite sex at work around, you know, the water fountain. It was just a couple lunches together and it turned into something more. I just, you know, I just drink and I just, I'll smoke a little bit with my friends when we get together at parties, but I, I don't do it normally. And well, we just, we've been partying more frequently and now I've been partying alone. And now it's like all of my monies are going towards feeding a drug fix. And the things that God calls you out of, I want to tell you, I want to warn to you, I want to scream to you. The things that he calls you out of are things that will lead to destruction. And so when you choose to put those things to death on the cross, because you know Jesus died this passionate death for me, that God so loved the world, he sent his son, his one and only son, to pay for our sins on that cross, that if he calls me to lay something down at the feet of the cross, I understand that I'm laying that down because it will eventually lead to death and destruction in my life, and I am choosing to pursue 
pursue life. I am choosing to pursue the fullness of what God has for me in this life. And as I honor him in my marriage, I know my marriage gets stronger and better and more passionate. When I honor him in the way that I work, I know that my work will be blessed by him because I'm doing it his way. When I honor him in the way that I parent my children, I know that their life will experience blessing and favor because I am walking in his ways. To move from death to life is not just to give up something that is destructive, but it's to replace it with something that spreads the gospel of Christ in our families and in our household. And when we talk about the resurrection and the power and the hope and the promise of eternal life that it brings, it comes with a cost of laying down the things that are actually destroying your life and your family right now. So many of us are like, I just wish I could find a solution to fix what's going on in my household. Well, have you tried putting God at the center? Well, no, but I'd, I want to find something that's by like Oprah, Dr. Phil, or just a quote that we can stick on the front of the refrigerator that will make us treat each other better. What you need to do is put God at the center as the foundation for how you live, and everything else will be added as you seek the kingdom of God is what Scripture promises. And when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we are celebrating the fact that we can lay down these things that have been destroying our lives and families and pick up all that God has for us. The hope and the promise of eternal life. Now, no one is ready for this yet. Um, it's not scary, but I need five people who are brave enough to come join me on stage. You don't have to talk. You just have to stand here and look pretty. So if you got, got that outfit, come on. I see you looking pretty. Just come on up. There's one. There's two. There's three. There's four getting dragged. And there's five. We got five. We can work with six too, that's all right. Look at, we got men stepping up in church. I love this. All right, guys, just come on over here. Some of these are my friends, so I will, I will um, handle this in a way that you don't have to worry. I'm, not, I'm gonna pick the one that I know that I can't offend. Um, can we go to the slide that has the arrow on it? When we talk about life, um, and we have this spectrum of people, and we think, okay, this person has put to death a lot of things in their life, or this person just lives a really good life, and this person is, a, is just in the wrong. We have a spectrum. And I think that on the, the, the terrible end of the spectrum, I love you, buddy. Um, <laughs> the, the person that, that we would say, it's like the number one name that gets thrown out of worst of all worst, is you get to, you get to identify as Hitler right here for me, is the worst. And so he's like, you never know what's going to happen in church. And so, and then the other one, come on over here with, with me. Um, the other end of the spectrum, watch out for those, those words, and he looks the part here, um, Mother Teresa, all right? Very, very beautiful, loving woman, Mother Teresa. But on the inside of that, I need you, I want you guys to help, help me balance. Um, come on over here. You guys got to tell me, okay, where are, where are we going to put someone, um, someone like Tom Hanks? So we have completely like, like really good, we have Hitler. Which way does Tom Hanks go? on the scale. Some people are saying this way, some people are this way. I see more hands going this way. All right, so we'll put Tom Hanks right here. Okay, okay, great. Um, Putin, look like Putin for me today. All right, where, where, where does Putin go? Putin's going over here? You're, okay, Do, right here? Some people are saying the other side. We'll put Putin right there. That's fine, that's fine. Okay, um, come here, Justin Bieber. All right, there we go. All right, I, where does baby, baby, baby go? Baby, 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 <laughs> we got some, the, why are the women pointing this way and the men pointing that way? <laughs> I'm sorry, but the women are winning here. So, so which side of Tom Hanks does Bieber go on? This side? Okay, all right, so there, there, there's Bieber. And, and then um, we'll, we'll go with Elon Musk. 
Elon Musk right here. Where does Elon Musk go? Oh, man. I, we got more. I need more votes. Oh, wow. Some people are putting Elon right in the middle. We'll put Elon right in the middle. Okay. And so here's the important thing. If this is where a different gauge of people are, where, where is the line of, like, heaven? Where is heaven's cutoff? I mean, is it on this side of Elon? Is it on this side? Bieber sang at Hillsong Church for a while, you guys know. I mean, like, he, he's got some praise songs out there. Or is it just over here by Mother Teresa? Like, when it comes to just what we've done, how good we are in our life, where is the line? If you're not sure where the line is in regards to earning heaven, it's not here on the side of someone who sang worship. It's not here on the side of someone who made really good movies and electric cars that are awesome. It's not even here putting in the side of someone who spent their life in missions and serving the poor. Jesus was very clear. And in fact, one of the times that he was teaching, and he, he had Pharisees around him, which there were these religious rulers who, like, they were just, they were super strict on the details, very self-disciplined. They followed all of the rules and regulations. They added to the rules and regulations. And they were so strict about the clothes they wore, the way their beards were trimmed, the food that they ate, how they gave money to the temple. They were strict about everything. And as Jesus was teaching, and these were the, the, the highest of the high, the elite of the elite when it comes to church stuff. And he said, if if your righteousness does not surpass that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he said it right in front of the Pharisees. Can you understand how awkward and serious that moment would have been? It put the Chick-fil-A moment to shame. Like people's blood started boiling because all they thought about was doing enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. But the righteousness that is required is beyond anything of that. And this is the bigger question, is if you were to put yourself up on the stage, where would you be standing? Because no matter you, where you think that you'd fit between Bieber and Elon, your righteousness could never be enough. Thank you guys. You guys, you guys can go down. Can, can we just thank these men for jumping into the unknown? It's Matthew 5, verse 20 that said, and this is Jesus speaking, but I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So how can anyone ever enter the kingdom of heaven if you have to be that strict, that intense? The answer is through grace alone that is, that is in faith. It is not through works so that none shall boast. We are saved by grace through faith so that none could boast. It's never of your own work. The righteousness that gets you into heaven is not your own doing, but it's what Jesus did on the cross for you. He died so that your sins would be paid for. And the proof that God accepted that, received that as payment, was the resurrection. And that is why there is so much celebration around the resurrection of Christ. Because that shows that God said, I've received it. And this is the picture. This is the importance. This is the righteousness that you carry. That when you make the decision in faith, and you cry out to him, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what happens is 
God allows Christ's death and punishment to be payment for your sins. And God sees you. This is what scripture teaches us. God sees you with the righteousness that Christ earned. And so when we see the scale, we understand our own works could never move us far enough along. But my righteousness is not my own. My righteousness is a gift of God. And I want to tell you something incredibly important about this gift that God has for you. That just like me, there was a day, I I was not raised up knowing Christ as Savior from the time that I was a little child. I made plenty of mistakes in my life, but there was a day where I had heard the message from someone that I respected time and time again that I needed to make a decision about Christ. And I can remember the place, I can remember the moment where I recognized I now need to make a personal decision. It was as if God was asking me this question, and I know because of the way that God has worked, right now he's pressing this question onto people's hearts. What do you believe about God? Have you received the forgiveness that God offers to you through Jesus Christ? And in the middle of my mess, in the middle of my problems, in the middle of my dysfunctional family, in the middle of the things that I had created that were sending my life in the wrong direction, in that one moment where I recognized, Jesus, you are who Scripture says you are. And I believe, I thought, I thought I was dealing with heaven and hell. And this is the power of the resurrection. This is the power practically at work of God. When you step into that moment where you say, God, I believe and I trust you and and I'm willing to do what you say because you're Lord. When you step into that moment and you might even think you're just dealing with heaven and hell because I don't want to go to hell. I'll believe. But that moment that you believe, God will begin a work in your heart, in your mind that it, it at least caught me off guard. And I want to challenge you to test him out. Test him out and see if he's good. Test him out and see if he's faithful. Test him out and see if he provides. Test him out and and see if by his spirit he begins to do things in your life that you did not expect. But when you begin to take a step of obedience of following Christ, he began to heal things in my heart and my life that I did not even know was broken. He put hope into places that I didn't even know there was despair. And he began to to bring this new life out. And this is why we celebrate Easter because it's not just that Christ rose from the dead, it's that he rose from the dead to give us new life. And I wanna make these promises of scripture, these these instructions of scripture completely clear to you. And we're gonna put Romans chapter 10, verse nine on the screen. And it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Leave that up on the screen for a minute because I want it to soak in. I know that so many people in your life have tried to make things of God so complicated for you. But this is the way that it begins. With your heart and your mind's belief in a declaration. And then when you make that decision, you are now adopted into the family of God. And As I wrap this message up, band, you guys can make your way out. 
I, I was trying to process because there's so many great statements from Jesus after he was resurrected. There's so many great instructions. There's so many awesome things said about him and his power at work in us. And I was going through the scriptures of, of where should the landing thought be? Where should the landing point be? Because we have this awesome instruction to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that he's commanded. We, ha- we have instructions to go to our city and our region and, and the ends of the world. We have, ha- have these great statements statements, but it was Revelations 1.18 that really stuck in my heart as I was looking to to wrap this message up. And this is where Jesus said, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. I want you to see in this passage that Jesus didn't just roll back the stone once, but he took the keys. He took possession. He took authority. He has the ability to speak and bring life. He has the, the capacity to bring forgiveness into your life. And he says that he now holds the keys to death in the grave. And if your life has been categorized by difficulty right now, If right now addiction has had a grip on your family and it feels like it would be impossible for you to get through it. If you've been out of church for so long, you came to this church today because you're like, it's in a school, so it probably won't catch on fire as I enter it because it's a school and not a church, and so it might be okay. And there's a helicopter egg drop, and so I have a reason. My kids are going to go, and so I have a reason to finally try church out again. No matter your reason or what's been going on in your life, as you arrive here today, I want to tell you the calling and the cry from heaven is simple for you to seize this moment and get yourself right with God. No matter what's been in your history, no matter what happened this morning, there is a cry and there is an attention that is focused down towards heaven. And it sees this opportunity that you have. And they are, they are looking into your life and they are just cheering, saying, will they turn their heart and get right with God? Because the invitation in scripture is clear. That first of all, God so loved you. He so loved the world that he gave his son, his one and only son. He loved you all the way to death on the cross. He loved you all the way to rolling back the stone and proving that there was new life and and resurrection from the dead. And placed before you is an invitation to die to self and live to God. But only you can make that decision. So I want to challenge you that if you felt far away from God to make the decision to start anew with him today. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose, raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's bow bow our heads for a moment of prayer. With our hearts turned towards God, we are thankful that Jesus died on the cross and that he took our pain and he took our punishment and he took our addictions and he brought them to death and that he rose from the grave to give us eternal life and abundant life. 
So right now in our hearts, we pray to you, Heavenly Father. We confess that Jesus is Lord. We believe the God you raised him from the dead. Fill us with that new life and free us from those sins and addictions that have held on to us for far too long. Be at work in us today. In Jesus' name.